Hello and welcome to The Outerview on RTE Radio 1 with myself, Alan Swan. This show all about the art of media interviewing, media in general, and of course, the art of storytelling. My guest today is the author, Bernadette Jiwa, who is a recognised global authority on the role of story in business, innovation and marketing, and the author of five best-selling books on marketing and brand storytelling. She advises, consults and speaks to entrepreneurs and business leaders who want to build meaningful brands and are working takes her from Melbourne, where she lives, to New York and everywhere else in between. I caught up with her recently to talk about her latest book, which is called Hunch. Can I ask the first question, what was your hunch? To, what was your gut feeling to write this book? You know, I think it goes back to, I'll, I'll take it back to my roots. And we've had a bit of a conversation about that before we started when I was growing up in Dublin, uh, people were really nosy. Um, and that was seen as, you might think, well, I'm, I'm not being very flattering and that's a bad thing. It's a really great thing. We've stopped being interested and become more um, fascinated by being interesting. And I just wanted to give people a nudge to get them to be more curious again. Uh, curious is a word that keeps coming up time and time again because originally this podcast series was all about the art of interviewing um, and mm. it kind of broadened out over the last couple of weeks where we're kind of taking it in different directions from storytelling to just kind of marketing, branding and so on. But curiosity, mm. uh, Ryan Turbody spoke about this on the show with me before that, you know, mm. there's, there's a difference between being nosy and curious. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the middle ground. And I suppose, yeah. um, would that be a good way of describing it? Um. Yes, it is a good way of describing it. I, I think, you know, cure, it's the intention behind it. You know, not, not nosy has got this bad rap because it's you know, you're just doing it for your own purposes, your own information. I think being curious and interested has that other component, which is empathy um, attached to it. So it's the reason and the intention behind your curiosity that's also important. You talk about empathy quite a lot in the book, mm, and I know I there's, there's that famous story of Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame, who has mm-hmm. that empty chair in his meetings. And I don't know if that's true or not, or is it kind of folklore? Um, but he has that kind of um, thing that he has an empty chair, and he always reminds his team that chair is for the customer. And if you can't mm. empathise with the person that you're trying to sell to or you're trying to talk to, you haven't really got a chance. Mm, it's true when you think about. I think we've forgotten where good products and good ideas come from. Uh, From, you know, think about the story of how Nike developed their shoes, which was an athletic coach being obsessed with getting people, getting athletes to perform better and watching them and understanding what they needed and then going and pouring rubber into a waffle iron because he just was obsessed with thinking about how he could make then perform better um from things like that to sarah blakely who invented Spanx, women's shapewear again this whole idea of you know how women feel were feeling bad about themselves when they were wearing certain kinds of clothes and how she could help them do that so anything uh, anything we could talk about is um any great innovation is a result of that curiosity and in being interested in in people and empathy uh for those people wanting to help them to do something that they can't do 
Do you think we're getting a little bit lost, Bernadette, as in there's so much analytics now, there's so many insights, there's so much data that really, yeah. there's so much data that we're actually getting kind of bogged down in it. We just can't see the wood from the trees anymore. And those examples that you just gave was in a world where there was no noise and there was no distractions mm. and that you had time to actually think. Yeah, and the data thing, there's a couple of things there. Uh, one is the, the obsession with data, it's true. We're just um, looking at the numbers and not thinking about what those numbers mean. Who Who is behind those numbers? It's a human being behind those numbers. Who is clicking on what? Who is buying what? Um, it's a human being with... Uh, hopes and dreams and desires and loves and losses and we're forgetting that piece so that's one part of the equation the other part of the equation is our distractedness and our retreat into our devices um i travel on public transport quite a bit here in melbourne and you see that nobody can sit down now on a bus or a tram without pulling out their phone it's my mom just tells this story about my dad she said she says your dad um your dad's backside is like a sleeping pill as soon as he sits down he's asleep um and i feel like we've gone that way with um with our devices we cannot sit down and be bored or look about us we are straight head down into uh, our devices to our detriment we're, we're just too plugged in absolutely we're not listening we're not observing what's around us um one of our great strengths in ireland has always been the fact that we're interested in people mm. um that's why we produce such great writers and artists and comedians and um, people like Maeve Vinci. I loved listening to Maeve Vinci when she was alive talking about how she would just overhear things on the bus. And that's what made her great. It was one of our great strengths and we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, because funny enough, I was going into work there a couple of weeks ago. My car was in the garage and I had to get the Lewis into work a couple of the days. And uh, I, I actually decided to myself, right, I'm going to put away my phone. I'm just going to watch people in the Lewis just mm-hmm. to see what they're up mm-hmm. to. And it just scared me so much. Like you said, people just stuck in their phone. But when they were on their phones, it wasn't a, a case that they were just reading a Kindle or reading an article. They were all on Facebook or on a social media site, be it Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was, or Snapchat, but especially on Facebook. And all they were doing was like flicking up, flicking up, mm-hmm. flicking up. And I kind of went, mm-hmm. God, that's kind of scary. And secondly, if I'm trying to produce something for somebody, you have literally two seconds to, mm-hmm. to grab someone's attention or to give them something of value that they'll stop and actually even consider you for a second. And it really kind of, from my day-to-day job in radio, um, kind of thinking, God almighty, you know, if we're going to win this attention war, how do you kind of do that? If people are just literally like a lottery, flicking up, flicking up, stopping two mm. seconds, two seconds, it's, it's a kind of a scary place to be. And the thing is, we're all in this space where we think we're fighting for attention, when in fact, the things that really succeed are the ones that go deeper than that, where they really resonate with people. Uh, We fail because we haven't done the thing that's really resonating with people. And we can only do that, ironically, by really understanding people, not understanding necessarily what they're doing in the moment, but going deeper 
than that. And that goes back to, again, goes back to empathy. What I love about your book, Bernadette, is that, you know, it's, you read a lot of, um, I know this sounds terrible, now, these type of books where it focuses in on, say, one scientific breakthrough or one type of um, emotion or so on. What it, and it's kind of, you would say to yourself, well, maybe they could have written this book in 30 pages as opposed to trying to broaden it out to 180. What yeah. I love about your book is there's real, A, there's real life examples, but B, um, there's an actual how-to guide to go through these things. Because I find sometimes mm-hmm. it's very frustrating that you can get the, the theory can be put down by the author, but actually giving you step-by-step guide to, to, you know, making you notice things. Even just examples that you give, um, the case study you're talking about your friend that was opening a cafe in London, um, but giving you mm. an example that you can sit in a cafe and here are the things step-by-step to watch out for. Mm, I know he's he was brilliant. He did an amazing amount of research. You know, he's a real curious guy, and uh, he has his. It's called Tea and Glory. If you're in Camden in London, go and visit him. He's he's opened his cafe now, but yeah, he spent a lot of time in cafes, just li- overhearing conversations and watching what people were doing. And he and what he found was that while the cafe owner is obsessed with the quality of the coffee, and yes, that's a given. It's got to be good. Um, more of the time what people were doing there was uh, looking for a comfortable place or what was important to them was Wi-Fi or what was important to them was something other than just the food and the coffee. That sounds super obvious, but when you're in the thick of developing a product or a service, you just fall in love with your own idea and you forget to fall in love with your customer. What I love about this book is it's just stripping it back to really simple things like asking questions, observing people, not getting too caught up in the moment. And one of the most important things I think that came out of this book for me is is the fear factor that people that own, the people that come up with ideas are geniuses and they're the only people that can come up with ideas. Mm. That, you know, somebody that might be listening to this podcast now who owns a cafe in a Thai who just wants to learn a bit more about how to do media interviewing or a bit more about branding goes, well, you know, that's for the lads in Dublin who own the big creative agencies. I couldn't come up with ideas like that. Mm. And how wrong they would be uh you know some of the best ideas come from people who are not in who are not in the filter who are not in this big bubble of uh doing what everybody else is doing and following the crowd just the people who are who are doing their own thing um one of the examples which is in the book uh was a cafe owner in melbourne who um she decided to make these uh cups that weren't that you could there were second use coffee cups that you could reuse them again and again that was a simple idea I mean we've seen we know that these are in existence for a a number of years but at the time and still I think in Melbourne we um, use about a billion disposable coffee cups every year so she came up with that idea just from watching what people were doing and thinking about how she might make a change in the world and uh you know when you come when it comes down to it thinking about your customers as individuals and not also looking about what the competition is doing that's how you uh succeed and if you you forget sometimes that you're a customer yourself yeah and and Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you, you forget you're a customer yourself sometimes. Like even today, uh, I was changing over. I, I'm after moving house and I was changing mm-hmm. over to um, uh, a different TV provider. 
Um, we um, won't name names here. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But, um, okay. you know, I, I, I was really frustrated that this channel didn't show uh, a boxing uh, match that I really wanted to see. And that really swayed my decision to go from this one provider. Mm. And this happened about six months ago, but I still had that kind of, it really annoyed me six months ago that I couldn't watch this fight. Um, and I kind of said, well, as soon as I'm out of this contract or I'm moving somewhere, I'm mm. telling you one thing, I'm going to change. And it kind of reminded me kind of, you know, if I'm dealing with, um, a client or a customer to think about frustrations and you know how they mm. to put myself in their shoes and how they feel and how to try and fix that issue for them it just maybe again it comes back to empathy again doesn't it mm. and they would probably have no idea why you switched and what they would be thinking was well we need to be the cheapest or we need mm. to be faster or we need to um have the most shows instead of thinking about listening to you uh, and understanding what it is that you want from the service. Yeah, actually, funny enough that they straight away said, well, our, but our broadband is faster. And I was like, oh, oh I, did they yeah. really? And I was like, oh, but I don't, I, that's not why I'm switching. I said, I'm happy, mm -hmm. with, I was happy with your broadband, but you just didn't show that fight. <laughs> And it really annoyed me. And they were just, I was thinking, oh my God, you're just, you're treating me, you're reading basically questions off a page and you're not actually mm. talking to me at all. It was so mm, frustrating. And, and that's the thing, we can, we can get to the point where we are just going by a script and we forget to be human. Mm. <laughs> we forget to be as human as uh, we'd like to be treated with, uh, with the humanity. So why don't we... Think about our customers and clients as human beings too. We forget that because we're a bit too focused on all the numbers and um, the blips on our uh, screens and the footfall or the foot traffic coming into our shop. Yeah, it's all um, about, you just think about metrics, yeah. metrics, metrics, and mm -hmm. about kind of just the other person at the end of the day just wants their bit of service. That's it. Uh, the last and it may, it may be, sorry, it may no. be that your boss is saying to you, well, we need to hit these numbers if you're going to get the funding. And so then you become obsessed with the numbers. On the flip side of that, you get the numbers by doing a great job for people. So, yeah, I, I empathize with, with people in roles where they feel like they have to focus on the numbers but i would encourage people to think about the people behind the numbers absolutely bernard last couple of questions and thank you so much for your time the example that you give in the book regarding the disposable diapers i think yeah. there's a really good point about fear and that you you might a person listening to this might right right now might have an observation or a hunch of an idea that they want to do but they're told you know what that's a silly idea it's not going to happen mm -hmm. we think uh, you know i think that's ridiculous forget about it and people there is a fear about what a people think and a fear about oh god maybe i you know i don't think i'll be able to do that mm. um, fear holds back an awful lot of people a fear is our biggest driver uh, for anything. Uh, if if somebody <laughs> if, if somebody comes up to you and they're mad, you start thinking, well, where is the fear here? Um, and it's the same for us. If we're afraid, actually, it, we're probably onto something. That's what I I think. Um, I've seen that with clients too. Uh, if somebody's afraid to just push that little bit further, it's usually that they are afraid of failing and the thing really matches to them one of the uh things that i read 
quite widely when I was researching this book was about Elon Musk, um, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. And I, I know your listeners will know all about him. And people tend to say about him that he is fearless. And I would argue, and I've heard him also say, that he is not fearless. Of course he's not fearless. Of course he fears failure, because if you've got no fear of failure, then uh, you couldn't be interested in doing the thing that you're about to do in the first place. So you wanted to succeed. And so um, ambition and fear uh, go hand in hand. Apart from the Elon Musks of the world and the Amazons of the world, is there any people out there that we mightn't know of or smaller kind of companies that are really getting it right? Uh, so many great companies. Um, I, I mentioned Sarah Blakely at Spanx. Um, she, she's still, um, actually she hasn't, she hasn't, uh, listed that company. So she's still the sole owner of that company. She founded a company for women's shapewear years ago. Um, keep cup is the company that I mentioned about, uh, the woman who made these cups that are reusable coffee cups. She's doing a great job. Um, so many, um, Nike is also a fabulous brand that is doing that thing from the empathy standpoint. Um, from the smaller point of view, examples in the book that I uh, used were the guy who invented these baby carrots, who was a farmer who decided he was just fed up of throwing all of these perfectly good carrots away because they didn't look great. And he he actually went on to process the carrots a little bit more and then sold them to grocery stores in that way. There's a brand here in Melbourne who are, um, people could look at it called Who Gives a Crap, who are producing, um, they're a social business, so they give part of their profits to uh, to fund water projects in the third world, and they also uh, sell toilet paper. Warby Parker in the USA, who sell uh, eye, uh, eyeglasses. So there's a fairly, there's some, a fairly comprehensive so many, list for people to check so out. So many people all around us. You might want to cut some of those out, but no, yeah, brilliant. it's not. It's not just the big, big brands. In fact, it's the little guys. I I'm really inspired by too. Well, listen, your book has definitely inspired me. I've always been a type of person that has always gone with their gut. And it's uh, lovely to read a book um, that I could relate to and go, do you know what? Actually, maybe I'm doing things the right way. And if you're a fan of the writings of Seth Godin or people like Ryan Holiday, uh, definitely I recommend that you pick up a copy of Bernadette's book called Hunch. Bernadette, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the podcast today. And uh, hopefully you'll be, you'll be home back soon. Uh, how long have you been living in Melbourne now? Um, I've been in Melbourne three years, but we've been in Australia for uh, about 12 years. Yeah. And back and forth to Dublin at all? or uh, Yeah, I was there in, I was there in May, actually around the book launch. So yeah, I will be back. You will be back. <laughs> I don't know if that's, yeah. that's a warning or <laughs> if that's oh, a... <laughs> it, it, there's no, there's no place like home, is there? There's not, there certainly isn't. Bernadette Giwa there, speaking to myself on the Outer View for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about the Outer View at alanswan.com.